Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Friday, December 18th, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and I suppose we'll open on the most notable result from Thursday night. Final score, number five, Kansas 58, number 14, Texas Tech 57. Ochai Abaji cut to the rim. Got a layup with 12.6 seconds left to put Kansas up 58-57. Then at the other end, Jalen Wilson blocked the Terrence Shannon shot. Final second, secured the rebound. That was that. Kansas shot 40.4% from the field in the game. Texas Tech shot 32.3. So it wasn't the prettiest game in the history of the sport. But it was a close game. Close games are fun. Norlander, what'd you make of Bill Self's Jayhawks going inside United Supermarkets Arena <sighs> and escaping with a victory? You kidding me? Is that actually the name of this thing? Yeah, it used to be called something else, and now it's United Supermarkets Arena. Well, we'll rename it whenever uh, they host a game worthy of picking on a on a Friday final four and one. Couple things here. First of all, way too many damn people inside that arena. Did you pick up on this as well? Listen, it's Texas. What do you mean? I know. I'm just saying. My wife was watching in the room with me. She's like. She's like, are you kidding me? I was like, uh, what do you want me to say here? A lot of people. A lot of people. Big 12's got a, got a quite a few people in the joint there. Um, number two, I spent more than three hours shoveling on Thursday. I got dumped with a foot of snow up here in, in Connecticut. So chasing my kids around. I mean, it was fun, but it was it was rough work here, you know? It was a, it was a year ago. It was a year ago when this leg was dead. It ain't oh, no. dead anymore. So I'm, I'm able to get out there and give a good shovel. I bring this up because, you know, with, I don't know, seven minutes to go in the first half, kids are down, I'm on the couch. Next thing I know, there's like eight minutes to go in the game. Passed out. I missed half this game. I was asleep, but I did catch the end of it. And uh, and by the way, Texas Tech has a new court design. I thought that was pretty, pretty popping. I like that. Um, I did catch the end. I watched the beginning, missed the middle, Ugly game. A lot of people bitching about the officiating, which was completely legitimate. There were some rough calls, Parrish. Rough. I mean, some. Uh, I'm not one of those people, <clears throat> like uh, Rob Doster, who believes, and Mark Titus, who believes that the charge should be taken out of college basketball. It should not. It is actually a viable... Uh, defensive strategy to offset players just putting their head down and trying to bull through. Like, you need the charge in basketball. It exists for a reason. But there were a couple of instances on Thursday night. These were straight up not charges. And this help defense, I'm going to slide over at the last second, not even be fully set and get a little bit of a hip check and draw a charge is absolute garbage. To me, it's not even the correct interpretation of the rule. Perhaps some officials and and uh, those who oversee the officials would disagree. But I thought, big takeaway, Kansas got a good win, ugly win, 
but that was not the kind like if that stuff happened in a tournament it it would be dominating the sports landscape talk you know if it was a sweet 16 or elite eight game let's hope that's not the case but that was to me was the biggest thing kansas got the win they look you know they they get a win great but i thought the officiating was the biggest story from the game yeah, I'm not somebody who thinks the charge needs to be taken out of the game either. I'm also not somebody that spends a lot of time, you know, tweeting about officiating. Um, it, it's a hard job. I remember when I was uh, the I was the Pele of Horn Lake, Mississippi, as a child. Oh, and okay. I, I I was the Pele of Horn Lake, Mississippi, and uh, I, I remember one. It's wild the things you remember that are just were totally random and you don't remember other like significant events in your life. Like I can't remember my birthday party from the same year, whatever it was. I have no recollection of it, but I do remember being the Pele of Horn Lake and um, you know, I was, uh, you know, you meet with the official, you know, at midfield before kickoff to, I don't know what to do. Do you flip a coin or something? Probably. So I just remember him saying this, he goes, uh, Hey, uh, are you going to play a perfect game today? And it, internally, I was like, probably. But I said, uh, oh. he said, he said, have you ever missed a shot? You ever missed a shot you should make? And I was like, uh, yes, sir. And he looked at the other kid and he was like, you ever missed a shot you should make? And the kid was like, yes, sir. He goes, okay, sometimes I miss calls too. So I'm not going to yell at you when you miss a shot you should make. Don't, don't yell at me when I miss a call I should make and, and we'll get through this just fine. And that's sort of the way I look at officiating. Like it, it is, it, it's a hard job. People make mistakes. But that said, yes, it's awful. Like I watched the same highlights you watched last night, you know, the, the replays in slow motion. And it looks different in slow motion than it looks live on a court. But like, I do wish officiating could be better, but I don't spend a lot of time stressing out about it the way some people seem to on Twitter just sit around and wait for that moment so that they can tweet about it over and over and over again. It just seems like a pointless exercise. I agree. We don't talk about it too much on the podcast on a season-by-season basis, but uh, I did think it was uh, particularly egregious and not a good look for, you know, biggest game of the night, two teams uh, that are near the top of the Big 12, two potential Final Four contenders, and it just, you know, I thought it was a rough look in some of the calls, some of the the lamenting over it. I agree with you, though, by the way. And But this is an issue in every sport, so there, you know, you this is it just comes with the territory. As for the win, yes, Abaji played well. Uh, Jalen Wilson made a nice defensive uh, defensive stop, or at least got in, got in the way of it uh, on the final possession of the game. And Kansas gets a good win, and in doing so, moves to seven and one. Its only loss comes has come against Gonzaga. Uh, it's one of the best losses, if not the best loss you could possibly have at this point. Gonzaga on a neutral, and its next game, uh, Kansas is scheduled to be. On Tuesday against West Virginia, we'll get to that on the Sunday evening podcast for Texas Tech. Real quick, um, it's six and two. It also has a good a pair of good losses, if you will. Home to Kansas, nothing to be ashamed of, even though you'd like to get the win on your home floor. And then it's lost to Houston on neutral um, by eleven. That was inside. That was inside Dickey's Arena. It was inside Dickey's Arena. Texas Tech, despite this loss, by the way, has the number one defense in college basketball at this point. Uh, my primary takeaway. It, from Texas Tech real early here um, is that VCU transfer Marcus Santos Silva has been good, but not... Uh, I thought he might be a little more pivotal to TTU's whole operation to this point. Um, hasn't quite been the case, but Mac McClung has been better and more prominent, and I think used more effectively than I thought was going to be the case. I, I didn't know whether it was going to be McClung, Santos Silva, Kyler Edwards, Terrence Shannon, uh, their five former five-star freshman, Namari Burnett, who has not been able to be a big-time player. I wasn't sure who was going to be 
the go-to, the alpha on this team, and maybe they still don't technically have it yet. Uh, they got a ways to go on offense. It was, let's be honest here, it was a little bit rough there on Thursday night, the parts that I did see. Um, but I still think this is... I still think it is a top 20 level team that was just an ugly game marred by some spotty officiating. Just so you understand, the state of Texas is home to both United Supermarkets Arena and Dickey's Arena. I'm aware of this, yes. Are those the two most ridiculous arena names in the same state? We, they can, can any state top that? Oh, I'm sure there can be, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't have it off the top of my head, but yeah, there. we know one state that's halfway there, and that's Nebraska, but it's offset by Pinnacle Bank, so. They do have Pinnacle Bank. Um. Texas Tech, eight of the top 10 scores didn't even play for Texas Tech last season. So, you know, it's all transfers and freshmen. It, it takes a minute. And, you know, I, I know you don't want to be a two-loss team at this point in the season if you're also a Big 12 contender. But they are still very much a Big 12 contender. And the losses, there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's a one-point loss to Kansas and a neutral court loss to 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 Houston, like, no problems they'll they'll be they'll be there at the end as they say texas tech's going to be there at the end last night kansas was 14 to 15 from the free throw line like in a one-point game that's the kind of stuff that matters texas tech was just 11 of 18 like if the red raiders just shoot their average from the line they don't lose in regulation they might not lose at all so you know it, 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 it Free throw shooting is always important. It's especially important when we're talking about a one-possession, one-point game decided in the final seconds. Jalen Wilson had seven points, three rebounds, two assists, the big block, and a steal. He's now averaging 14.3 points, 8.0 rebounds, and 25.9 minutes per game, shooting 50.6% from the field, 37.5% from three. And I only bring that up because we all thought Kansas was going to be very good, great even, in the preseason, like most people had Baylor picked to win the big 12, but most people also had Kansas in the top 10. Uh, Kansas was in the top 10 of the top 25 and one. And I don't think anybody, or, or I, 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 I don't believe many people were counting on Jalen Wilson to be a big part of that. Like whatever you thought about Kansas in the preseason probably didn't include Jalen Wilson being, you know, the second leading scorer, leading rebounder, big playmaker and yet he has established himself as that and when your Kansas is supposed to be good without Jalen Wilson being you know spectacular and Jalen Wilson is spectacular um, it, it just sort of I, I think reinforces the idea that that this Kansas team can be a real challenger will be a real challenger to Baylor at, at the top of the Big 12. The Big 12 has the, the two best freshmen in America to this point in the season. The Frosh Watch published at CBS Sports earlier this week, and though we've had a few games since it published. Cade Cunningham is number one, and then Jalen Wilson is number two. If you're curious about the top five, Evan Mobley at USC is three. Cameron Thomas at LSU uh, has been really good uh, as number four, and then Jalen Suggs at Gonzaga uh, rated at number five uh, to this point. Yes, but Wilson's been outstanding. And then my last point on this, we can move on. Um According to Ken Palm, as we speak here on a Friday morning, GP, uh, there is a gulf and gap between league number two and league number three in terms of adjusted efficiency margin. So the Big Ten and the Big 12 are the two best leagues in the college in college basketball. That's not surprising. Uh, you and I both expected that. Um, the adjusted efficiency margin right now between the two is just um, it's 0 0.07. Big Ten's at 18.48. Big 12 is at 18.41. The ACC is third all the way down at 15.60. And just to get a, 
a frame of reference on that. Like the Big East is is just right behind it, 14.59, SEC 14.36, and then the Pac-12, which is having its issues, um, is at 12.79. So we uh, there's going to be no reversing that. Uh, we have we are probably mm, probably about 70. I'm mean, this is a this is a guess off the top of my head. But given postponements and cancellations, I would say we've got to be 75% of the way through non-conference play. We might be more than 80% of the way through non-conference play in this wonky season. So with that in mind, these ratings come together based on what you do in the non-conference because you can't adjust your efficiency margin once your teams in the same league are playing each other. And so the Big Ten and Big 12 have established a wide separation. They will be the two best uh, leagues in all of college basketball yet again, which has been the case for uh, with those two specific leagues in each of the past three seasons. Next two games for Kansas, West Virginia at home on Tuesday, Texas at home next Saturday. So they're in a three-game stretch right now. Kansas is. Texas Tech, West Virginia, Texas. That's got to be among the toughest three-game stretches that anybody is going to endure this season. I'm sure you can go to the Big Ten and pick out an mm-hmm. Iowa three-game stretch or a Rutgers three-game stretch or anybody three-game stretch and find something uh, similarly challenging. But uh, Kansas is in the middle of a of a tough one right now, but seem equipped to handle it. Again, nice road win on Thursday night at Texas Tech. While that was happening, St. Louis was improving to 6-0 and with a win over NC State as master of ceremonies of the Atlantic 10 Media Day. I'm compelled to mention it. We're going to get into it next. First, though, check this out. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. So, Norlander, I'm sitting around on Thursday night, minding my own business. Somebody asked on Twitter if I watched St. Louis beat NC State, and I'm like, do you realize you're tweeting the master ceremonies of A-10 Media Day? Of course I watched it. Uh, Billikens win by double digits inside Chaffetz Arena, uh, went on a 32-14 to run in the final, like, 11 minutes to pull away. Now 6-0 and with wins over LSU and NC State. Uh, NC State strong start to the season you know back in July uh, we did an off-season edition of dribble handoff um, where we're you know asked various questions and we answer them and it's content and so we were asked to identify a school from outside of the top seven conferences besides Gonzaga that could be the next to make a final four Cal Boone went with New Mexico State Cal Porter went (laughs) with Justin Thomas David Cobb Mm. went with BYU you were on vacation, and I went with the St. Louis Billikens. And look at me now. Do you believe in me? Do you believe in my Billikens? Kyle Porter went with Justin Thomas. I absolutely it was either, it was either, I love it. I it love it. Just, it was either Justin Thomas or Roy McElroy. Yeah, I love it. Um, first of all, how about these Billikens? 
How about these Billikens? How about these Billikens? Um, doing mighty fine for themselves. 6-0. and St. Louis, by the way, was one of those teams from late September until basically the season started where, for whatever reasons, behind the scenes, like, it just kept getting its schedule changed. Like, it would commit to something, then it would bail on it. It would have an opponent, then the opponent would bail. Like, total inside baseball stuff. But it's just interesting to see, to know uh, what St. Louis was trying to arrange from a scheduling standpoint and then how it got screwed over, how it screwed over other teams. And now Travis Ford has a 6-0 squad with... An intriguing road trip awaiting Sunday against Minnesota from being 7-0. Uh, but it's managed to get a good home win against LSU and then a good home win against NC State. So if you can get one more quality non-conference win, this would be uh, this will obviously be its first uh, away from home. All the wins it has so far have come uh, inside Chaffetz. Uh, Big-time stuff. It's between St. Louis and Richmond as the, as the A-10's best team. I... W- I would still lean Richmond, but St. Louis has a has a legit squad here. I mean, Jordan Goodwin is a fantastic, fantastic player. Him and Javante Perkins are both seniors. They lead that squad. But Yuri Collins, um, he is an interesting. He's 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 like a water bug. I mean, he's five eleven. You know, he might weigh ten pounds more than I do. And he's shooting 61.5% from two-point range and has only taken nine threes this season. Fascinating little player there. They've got a they've got a good they've got a good squad here. By the way, yeah, I, for the St. Louis hardcores, and there are hundreds that listen to this podcast, just so you know. They're out there. I know all of you are aware, but should we get into like what exactly what what the hell a billiken is? Are you aware of, of the background with all of this? I'm not sure what a billiken is. Oh, exactly. I'm embarrassed. To, I'm embarrassed to publicly acknowledge that I'm unaware what a bill. I could not. If the question was presented to me, describe a billiken in great detail, I would be. I would be stumped. See, I, I, this is uh, part of the charm of college sports because you know, 99% of the population has no idea what a billiken is. Just no shot. But St. Louis, on its official university webpage, has uh, a what to know about the billiken. It says the Billiken is a mythical good luck figure who represents things that they as they ought to be. This is not a real, th- it's not an animal, it's not a person, it's not like a, an elf. It's just, it's a mythical good luck figure who represents, quote, things as they ought to be. Before he was St. Louis University's mascot, he was a national sensation, a figure who was re- reproduced as dolls, marshmallow candies, metal banks, hat pins, Pickle forks? Don't quite know what a pickle fork is, but okay. I would I would assume it's a fork you use to stab pickles. Only pickles, though. Doesn't I think, I, do people really have just forks strictly for pickles? Doesn't doesn't seem like uh, doesn't seem like the best use of a, of a tool in the kitchen. I, I don't think hey, Alton hey, Brown hey, would approve hey, of honey, such a thing. Hey, honey, hey, honey, could you grab my pickle fork? <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna have a couple of pickles. If you could get my pickle fork for me, I'm, I'm this. Oh my gosh, I'm looking. Yeah, this is wow. Pickle fork, very tiny, t- very tiny fork. Not a not a multi-purpose kitchen tool. Um, not ideal. Belt buckles, by the way, in the in the in the in the shape of a billiken, I guess. Auto hood ornaments. People driving <laughs> around cars with a billiken. What? Salt and pepper, salt and pepper shakers, bottles, and more. Um, no I'll put, one. I'll put I'll put a billiken on the hood of my car. Let's see if we can make that happen. 
Let's see if we can actually make that happen. By the way, yeah, no, I don't want to make false promises. I'm not putting a billiken. I in the mean, you should. Box. I think you should. I think you just committed I, to it. <laughs> I will wear a billiken belt buckle, though. All right. Let's if make, I ever wear a belt again, let's make it happen. No one is sure when the billiken first became linked to St. Louis University. Again, this seems a little bit well, problematic. How could they? How could? They, how could nobody know that? Exactly. Look <laughs> at this. Like, it seems like somebody would know it. First like, of all, like they the know who invented it. Florence Pretz. Shouts to Florence Pretz, yeah. a Missouri art teacher and illustrator, patented her design for an image of the Billiken in 1908, and she later told the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, I concluded if there is a chance that we shape our own lives, and my clay was, <laughs> and my clay was mine to fashion as I would, I might as well make an image which embodied hope and happiness to sort of live up to. And have you seen the photo of this Billiken? That sits outside Chaffetz Arena. Dear God, it's terrifying. But you know what? St. Louis, you're 6-0. and No one really knows why you're the Billikens, how you became the Billikens, <laughs> when you became the Billikens, what a Billiken is. The mascots changed plenty over the years. How about this? I got one more little fact for you. Where else is the Billiken found? This is according to St. Louis University. SLU is the only university to claim the Billiken as its mascot to the surprise of no one. In other parts of the world, he's noted as a good luck charm. In Osaka, Japan, a wooden Billiken statue sits in Sutenkaku Tower where visitors rub his feet for good luck. And in Alaska, Eskimos render the Billiken in carvings as good luck charms. In Argentina, it's the name of the world's longest-running children's magazine. And lastly, on the south side of Chicago, the school year can't start without the annual Bud Billiken Parade. How about that? South, south, south side. I'm not rubbing a Billiken's foot. That seems like how you get COVID. <laughs> Isn't that trying to get COVID, rubbing a Billiken's foot? What are we talking about? How does nobody know how the St. Louis became the Billikens? Like, it seems like the person who made the decision would know, and he would have, or she would have passed it down. It's like, it seems impossible that nobody would know how we ended up calling our basketball team I got I got two stories listen last thing here they got they here here we go there are several several popular stories all of which tie the Billiken to John Bender a law student who took over coaching first of all the stories around college athletics from basically 1895 until 1944 are incredible just the kind of circumstances and situations that will never be duplicated or replicated ever again. Get this. So you got a law student who starts coaching the football team. <laughs> like that's never happening again in 1910. Oh, this is this is actually kind of brutal. I mean, poor John. They, they, ben- should, they should actually do that at, at Tennessee. Just give it a shot. Let somebody, <laughs> let a law student coach the football. Pro- what, 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 how could it make it worse? At you know what? Just well, at Tennessee, they should just let a law student they should. coach. They, they sh- I, I, this should be the new Ivy League grads taking over MLB front offices at 28 years old. This needs to be the new pattern. I agree with you. But how about this? Poor John Bender, by the way. So we're aware of like the general appearance, the logo, the caricature of a Billiken. This dude, he takes over coaching St. Louis's football team in 1910, and his resemblance to the cheery good luck symbol linked potentially St. Louis to the Billiken because John Bender apparently looked like a Billiken. According to one, a cartoonist drew a caricature of the coach in the form of a Billiken and posted it to the window of a local drugstore. The football team soon became known as Bender's Billikens. Imagine that you are responsible for the nickname, moniker, and mascot of your team because someone goes... 
Dude looked like a billiken. <laughs> Look like a billiken. You walking around looking like a billiken, looking like a hood ornament. I want to rub your feet for good luck. Brutal, man. Shouts to John Bender, though. We're giving you shouts all these years later. Charlie Spoonhour, an actual billiken. Excuse me? Charlie Spoonhour was a billiken. Was he? A real-life billiken. Okay. <laughs> hey, but all billiken jokes aside, the Atlantic 10 right now got eight teams in the top 85 at Ken Palm. Same number. It's the same number as the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Same number as the. Um, it's twice as many as the American Athletic Conference. Mm. Pretty good year. Now, St. Louis, Richmond, VCU, Dayton. Those look to be teams that can be in the mix for NCAA tournament. We'll see what happens with UMass. Um, I don't know. You're right in that they're all highly rated but they're probably going to be in a weird spot where they're going to have to try and get a few more good non-con wins. Like St. Louis and Richmond are going to have to carry the flag for the league. St. Louis rates comfortably as the best team in the league, by the way, according to Ken Palm, uh, 28th, as we talk here on Friday morning, where Richmond is uh, 53rd. But I I don't know. We'll see. I still I would take Richmond head-to-head uh, tomorrow, eager to see that. But yes, this is shaping up to be a good year for the league. Having said that, it is still 8th in Ken Palm's ratings and sitting behind the American, the Pac-12, the SEC. But yes, I would, I would say on the whole, the A-10 like versus usual expectations, like it's projecting to have a better year, a, a, tr- a trending upward year, whereas a league like the Pac-12, I mean, it's really skidding and going in the wrong direction. All right, you ready to get into the final four and one? I have two, as always, I have two games picked. So, you, uh, you know, in the event that one of my two is one that you've picked, I have a backup. So yes, I am ready on what is going to be a loaded at least barring, knock on wood here, we can't have any postponements or cancellations. Loaded college basketball weekend, GP, and a loaded sports weekend. This really is one of the two or three best sports weekends we've had since sports returned. In addition to the NFL playoff race, you have huge college football games going down. Let's get into it. Do you have our records from last week? Can we I do. update our rec- oh, what, who's winning? No one. We both went two and two. We did not get the, can- uh, the Baylor versus Texas game, so we each had we each went two and two. So we're tied heading into week number. By the way, we need to establish, first of all, hold on. We need to establish something here. So we did this last year, and then I won, and you owe me concert tickets to the concert of my choice, which might be doable by the end of 2021. We'll have to wait and see. We need a new thing. We need a new thing to be decided. So do you want to give it a week to think about it, and then we'll decide, you know, regardless of how uh, these next five games go for us? Let's play for a Billiken. What? Winner gets a Billiken. Doesn't seem uh, doesn't seem steep enough, but sh- but like, no, no, do you I really mean, win? I mean, do you win if you get the, like? Is that really? I mean, a nice billiken. I mean, a really nice. I billiken. mean, is that like, still like? Do I? Let's say I win. Do I want a billiken in my house? Like, is that? Am I? Have I won? Really? It's, it it brings good luck. You can wake up every day, rub its feet, probably ensure that your leg never goes dead again. It, it has its benefits. All right, f it. We're playing for a Okay, billiken. how about this? We no, we're play playing for a, for a Billiken. No, no, we're definitely playing for a Billiken. That's been established. But we will play for a Billiken and something to be named next Friday. So we'll think on it. Okay. And the, the prize for the final four and one at the end of this season will be a Billiken plus something else. 
Yes. Plus an asset to be named later. Okay. Plus an asset to be named later. So the final four and one for people who don't remember, because I didn't remember until Norlander reminded me last week. Uh, I pick up four games from the weekend. Norlander gets the AM ones, a total of five. We pick it against the spread. We keep up with it. Winner gets a billiken and something else. Game number one, Saturday, noon Eastern. Number one, Gonzaga versus number three, Iowa inside Mike Dom Pentagon in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Ken Palm has it, Gonzaga minus four. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Nate Walters court. Um, no, no, we did, we did the poll. The people have spoken. Yeah, Dom can have the arena. Walters gets the court. Okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll accept Gosh. that. All right, Gonzaga hasn't played since December 2nd. It's 3-0, wins over Kansas, Auburn, West Virginia. Ken Palm uh, final score is an 87-84. I think both teams are going to get to 90, by the way. Um, this has a great chance to be uh, the best game of the weekend in sports. Not saying that it will be, but if we have a situation where Gonzaga wins like 101-99, yeah, it might wind up being the best watch in all of sports this weekend. We'll see how fresh Gonzaga can be. It's only a couple days removed from coming off of pause and actually being able to to podcast with all, uh, to podcast, to play <laughs> with all that stuff. My dog is literally barking in the den right now, but I'm okay. Drew Timmy, Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert, um, who's going to be the go-to guy in this? Will they even have that? Gonzaga, again, is built unlike any other team where the three guys I just mentioned, all of them are capable of being, in my opinion, um, the 1B to the 1A for National Player of the Year right now that is Luka Garza. Luka, you know, Garza versus Gonzaga is a wonderful matchup, um, but whereas Iowa has a, a litany of, of good options, Garza is clearly, clearly the go-to guy there. Gonzaga, on a given night, can have Timmy, Suggs, Kispert. Um, you know, they even had Ayayi be their leading scorer. I think that was the West Virginia game when he led the team in scoring there. So I'm fascinated by this game. Cannot wait to watch it. I don't want to wake up on Saturday morning and find out with an hour to go that the game is off like we lost Gonzaga and Baylor to. Um, I will take I will take Gonzaga here, but because of the way both teams play, like I do think if you told me Iowa won by eight, I wouldn't be stunned at all. Because I, I think that, that uh, the game could get out of hand in that kind of regard. But I will take Gonzaga to win and Gonzaga to cover, win by more than three. These two teams are number one and number two in adjusted offensive efficiency ratings, uh, with Iowa being number one, Gonzaga number two. The Hawkeyes are something, man. They shoot 40% from three as a team, almost never turn it over, and grab 38.5% of their own missed shots. I mean, Jesus. Like that, We're not going to give you the ball. If we happen to miss a shot, we got a great chance of grabbing it, and we're going to shoot 40% from three. They have four players who are averaging at least 15 minutes per game and shooting at least 50% from three. Not 40, 50% from three. It's just really hard to slow them down. They scored 93 against North Carolina, 105 against Iowa State. I'm with you. Like This could easily get into the 90s. Um, you know, in terms of Garza's the star, right? The consensus preseason national player of the year. He is currently number one in the Ken Palm player of the year rating. But Drew Timmy is number three and Jalen Suggs is number eight. So you got, at mm. least according to Ken Palm, three of the top eight player of the year candidates on the court at the same time at tip-off. Um, oh, by the way, one note, uh, they just got Ben Gregg added to the roster. Gonzaga did. He's a top 60 uh, forward in the class of 2021, graduated early, 
enrolled at Gonzaga. He's eligible to play. And given that the NCAA is basically calling this a non-season from eligibility, uh, from an eligibility perspective, like he'll be a freshman for the rest of the season, then he'll be a freshman next season. So, uh, you know, an already loaded roster gets another piece that they can use if they want to use it. I'm not suggesting he's going to be impactful uh, on Saturday. I, I don't even know that he'll step on the court, but like uh, they got another piece if, if they need it. Um, I guess I'll take Iowa plus the points okay. just because I know they're going to score. And I don't know that it's, that it's not insignificant. I like it, it can't, Maybe it is insignificant, but I would assume it might not be. That Gonzaga hasn't played in 17 days and has been recovering from COVID. Like, that that, that might matter. Iowa's been rocking and rolling without interruption. Gonzaga had to pause. They, you know, it's been a while. Um, I'll take Iowa in what should be, regardless of who wins it, uh, you know, the most fun watch on on Saturday. Game number two, Saturday noon Eastern. Number 23, Louisville at number 12, Wisconsin inside the Kaminsky Center. Kimpom has it. Wisconsin, minus four. You can watch it on ESPN2. Minus four. Give me... Hmm. Louisville's 4-0. Like Gonzaga, it's coming off COVID pause. Has not played a game since December 1st. Uh, it has a couple of good wins. All of its wins have come at home. Seton Hall and then Western Kentucky, which should be the best team in Conference USA, are among Louisville's victims to this point. Huh. Did you see those Wisconsin unis, by the way? I retweeted it. I did. It. I did. I know. I, I th- cursive just looks nice, I think, on a the, uniform. A script uniform, again, like, I don't understand why these schools, these apparel designers just don't go to this look like 100% of the time. Whatever. I did. Just, it looks better. Just use wear the, wear the crappy uniform once a season and wear the other ones all the time. The players, by the way, design this, which is also a cool little... Uh, Cool little detail there. So when you watch this game, Wisconsin will be, you know, this is a look good, feel good, feel good, play good situation as far as I'm concerned. Home court there. I do like Louisville this season. I actually don't think that the Cardinals have dropped off all that much from last season despite a lot of roster turnover. Kind of a Texas Tech kind of deal. Uh, Still expected to be good despite a lot of new pieces and new spots there. But I'm going to take Bucky in this spot to cover. He's got one loss on the road at a Marquette team. Um, that actually took kind of a eh, eh, understandable but regrettable loss against Seton Hall on Thursday night. That's Wisconsin's only loss to this point. I will take Greg Gard's team to win and to cover, and in doing so, I think Micah Potter eats. I think he's going to have a wonderful game, be the most important player, and Wisconsin moves to 6-1. and one. Yeah, Wisconsin lost that game to Marquette like at the buzzer on a failed blockout on a free throw attempt. Otherwise, they would be undefeated or at least have a chance to be undefeated. That was a, a rough situation. Um, you know, Chris Mack did say on Thursday that they're only going to have like seven or eight players available for this game. No Malik Williams, no Josh Nicolbert. They're shorthanded. I think he added – I've seen two different numbers, and I didn't hear it with my own ears, so I don't want to misrepresent what he said. But um, – either 75% of night or 90%. I've mm-hmm. seen both numbers of his team has had COVID already at one point this season, Houston coach Kelvin Sampson said all 15 of his players have now tested positive for COVID. So I said on a podcast a few weeks ago that, you know, the idea that you're safer playing basketball than not playing basketball is just nonsensical. You're not safer playing a contact sport indoors in the middle of a pandemic than you otherwise would be. And there was some pushback on it. Well, like, oh, here, here we are. What are 
basketball programs are getting shutting down every day. The positivity rate seems to be much higher than it is of the general population. Like I understand you are providing structure on a college campus um, and testing nonstop um, that, that, that can, that could quote unquote be, be safer than if you weren't doing those things. But once you ask them to play a contact sport in indoors, um, this is this is what happens. You get a positive case and it spreads throughout your entire team, or at least it can spread throughout your entire team. So I stand by what I said, and I'll submit Houston as Exhibit A and Louisville as Exhibit B and Wake Forest as Exhibit C, and we could do this for hours. Um, now, let me be clear. Um, I am not suggesting we shouldn't be playing basketball uh, in the middle of a pandemic, at least college basketball and professional basketball, because they're big-time revenue generators there's a purpose to all of this tied to finances people's jobs are on the line hundreds of millions of dollars if not billions of dollars are are at stake i've never you know been a proponent of not trying to play um i'm glad that we are i can't wait for the games this weekend but we don't have to lie about this no nobody we're not safer playing a contact sport in the middle of a pandemic let's just be honest about it that's that's all i've ever said like um we're doing it um for for very obvious reasons, but the idea that people are safer, quote, safer playing a contact sport indoors in the middle of a pandemic than they otherwise would be, again, that just, it, it never seemed true to me. Game three, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, number 22, North Carolina versus Kentucky inside Booby Gibson Fieldhouse in Cleveland, Ohio. Ken Palm has it, UNC minus two. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's Network of Stars. I have no reason to take Kentucky at this point. Um, it's on a four-game losing streak, and I came back and got a close shave win again, or close shave loss, excuse me, against Notre Dame. Um I'm not sold on care. I was a seller on UNC heading into the season in terms of it being like top 25 quality. I'm still there. Like top 40, yes. Top 25, I, I, I need to see much more here. But I will take the heels primarily because of this. Kentucky had the length, uh, and this defensive battle will be interesting here. Uh, UNC has started off to be a pretty solid defensive team. Kentucky has good athletes, good length, and certainly showed in that second half against Notre Dame that it's got the capability of, of turning off teams as water. And, and I will be intrigued to see if you can do that with a UNC team that has some questions to answer at point guard. But Carolina's front court, to me, is so much better and more talented than what Kentucky has at this point when you include everyone. Garrison Brooks, Dayron Sharp, Armando Baycott, Leaky Black... Leaky. leaky rebound, That's leaky right. rebound, 7.5 right. boards per game. Leaky rebounds his name. And then even Walker Kessler. So there's just a lot there. I, that is why I will lead UNC uh, in this game. By the way, um, if for whatever reason you missed this, yes, this is the correct matchup. Kentucky is playing North Carolina. That got decided earlier this week when all the teams and coaches and doctors, everyone got on a call and basically wanted to make sure everyone was good with everything. And it turns out that UNC facing Carolina, ACC versus SEC, and then Ohio State versus UCLA, Pac-12 versus Big Ten. 
they were more closely aligned philosophically with their COVID protocols to avoid any kind of situation where one of these games might get lost over what could be viewed as a discrepancy, but in the eyes of the doctors, obviously, is a significant deal. So that's why the matchups have changed. It will be a blue blood battle. Kentucky, Carolina, give me Roy and the heels. North Carolina is like the new Florida State. They got four players averaging between 11.8 points and 11.0 points. They're like Florida State now. Garrison Brooks is at 11.8. Caleb Love, 11.2. RJ Davis, 11.2. Armando Baycott, 11.0. The the previously mentioned uh, Leaky Black is at 6.5 points, 7.5 rebounds per game. I'm with you. Like, how could you possibly pick Kentucky? you know, at this point, given what we've seen in this season. And I'm not saying it'll be the craziest thing in the world if Kentucky wins. If Kentucky beats down, because that won't even be the craziest thing that happens on Saturday. But I can't trust them. They don't look good. John Calipari did um, reemphasize that Terrence Clark is the point guard now. Um, Devin Askew is now a a backup. David Mintz will do whatever he's asked to do, but Terrence Clark is now going to be the primary ball handler at Kentucky. And we talked about it before, like John did this in his last season at Memphis with Tyreek Evans, and it worked brilliantly. Just decided I don't have a great option at point guard in a traditional sense. Let's just put the ball in the hands of my my most talented player and see what happens. And and that's what he's doing here. So uh, I'll be interested to see how that works. Um, You know, the uh, game one of that experiment comes against North Carolina, which obviously isn't the easiest deal in the world, but if you're going to do it, you might as well do it now because you got uh, Carolina uh, this weekend. After that, you get Louisville. It doesn't get any easier for the Wildcats going forward. Game four. Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern, number 13, Illinois, at number 19, Rutgers, inside the Quincy Doobie Center. Kimpom has it, Rutgers minus one. You can watch it on ESPN2. Okay, listen. I, I'm not going to ask you to remember every little thing, okay? But there is one exception to the arena naming process, and the only one is that it is Quincy Doobie Pavilion. It's not the Quincy Doobie Center. It's Quincy Come Doobie. on! I don't know that it's a pavilion. That's The rack is not a pavilion. <laughs> it's a rack. <laughs> you're, trying to, you're trying to pretend the rack is a pavilion when it's, it's so clearly it's not. Quincy, if Quincy Doobie dubs it, if Doobie dubs it a pavilion, then damn it, it's a damn pavilion. I'm taking Illinois, by the way. Now, Rutgers winning this one. See, you and I both know that Rutgers is for real. It was going to make the tournament last season. It's really good again. Ron Harper Jr. has established himself clearly as this team's best player. Uh, Geo Baker hasn't been available all season. He was obviously a big factor last season. Uh, Jacob Young's a good a good player as well. Miles Johnson coming along. But Ron Harper Jr. is a stud and could be one of the five best players in the Big Ten. I am in on Rutgers. Coming off a win at Maryland that wasn't even close. Illinois here... Coming in with a 5-2 and two record, losses to Baylor and Missouri, beat Minnesota with ease earlier this week. This, to me, is kind of the spot where if you're Illinois and you want to be this top team in the Big Ten, national championship contender, Final Four, we are for real. Rutgers is good, but I'd like to see you walk in to the QDP, Quincy Doobie Pavilion, and, and try and steal a win here. So I will take 
I will take Illinois straight up to win and get this W. This is a very intrigue. This is one of my two that I had as backup. So I am intrigued. A very, very good Sunday game here. Geo Baker is back. He played um, in Monday's win over Maryland, got 13 points in 28 minutes. So Rutgers, how about this? They, they just beat Syracuse and Maryland, and now they have Illinois. They now have a chance to beat Syracuse, Maryland, and Illinois in consecutive games, which seemed like unimaginable in, at most points in the history of that program. And now not only is it imaginable, it's, it's, it's an expected result. So I'll take Rutgers minus one um, and, and, and assume that Illinois will go to bed Sunday night as the best three-loss team in the country. Okay, fair enough. Well, we'll talk about it Sunday night no matter what. All right, before I get to my one, just a heads up. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you pick a Friday game. I would not do I'm it. I'm not going to ask you to pick a I, Friday game. I wouldn't do it. I know. I got you. I got you two weeks ago, and I'm good to go for the season there. Um, just so people know, though, undefeated San Diego State hosts BYU 5 o'clock on CBS Sports Network on Friday. That is a good game. So BYU at San Diego State, if you're easing into your weekend, it almost feels like back-to-back Fridays, by the way. for what Maybe it was the snowfall. I don't know. But yesterday felt like Friday. Got a second Friday here. Cruise on in. BYU at San Diego State. Also, um, you know, the A-10 Master Ceremonies from League Media Day didn't want to bring this up. But Davidson plays at Rhode Island. Relatively intriguing 7 o'clock Friday. Rhode Island has played everybody in the country this season. Another Rhode Island game. See, there, the, technically the rule is you're allowed to play 27 regular season games, but we're going to get to Selection Sunday and discover that Rhode Island is actually a 22-19 and 19 team. They're going to play 41 regular season games. I don't Rhode know how they're Island, going to pull it off, but... Rhode Island is going to play more games this season than the Celtics. I know. David Cox is a wizard. Uh, by the way, Richmond versus Loyola Chicago is a wonderful Friday night 6 o'clock tip. It's being played at the Indianapolis Convention Center in Indianapolis. Uh, obviously, where else would it be? That's a late schedule. Let's try and get something in. Wonderful game. Loyola Chicago might be the best team in the Valley. Richmond might be the best team in the A-10. A nice little Friday matchup there. Um, there is UCLA Ohio State. That's not my game, but that is the other CBS Sports Classic game. It's, it's going to start around 430 on on Saturday, um, and that's gonna that's gonna be in the mix in the midst of all this f- college football. Just huge, huge Saturday. So hopefully, you, everyone listening has uh, has blocked off a lot of time because there is a lot, a lot of good stuff going down there. Other games of intrigue. How about Ole Miss versus Dayton? Two thirty tip NBC Sports Network. To me, I want to see if Dayton Dayton needs to win that game. Prove to us that you're that you're really, really good again. Take down Kermit. We'll see if they'll be able to do that. Western Kentucky plays at Alabama. Keep an eye on that one. Um, and then a really good mid-major matchup. Furman at Winthrop is a 4 o'clock tip on Saturday. On Sunday, in addition to Illinois at Rutgers, the, only, the bigger games to know about, Creighton at UConn. UConn coming off a pause, hosting that game. That's a noon tip on Fox Sports 1. I'd keep an eye on that one. We mentioned St. Louis plays at Minnesota. Marquette plays at Xavier. I'm intrigued by that one as well. And then Cade Cunningham is going to play at Texas at 2 o'clock. That is a Longhorn Network game, 2 o'clock Eastern on Sunday. Um, There's still plenty of other interesting ones. Those are the biggest headline ones. My fifth game, though, Crossroads Classic, 11.30 a.m. tip. This is going to be your first tip of intrigue on Saturday in college hoops. It's Indiana versus Butler. Now, Butler gets Bo Hodges immediately. Butler's only played two games. Western Michigan on November 25th, and then Villanova two nights ago. It's played twice 
complete mystery right now. Now they got to go up and play Indiana. Bo Hodges is actually one of those players that's now immediately eligible that I do think can make a real impact because Aaron Thompson for Butler um, was injured in the Villanova game. So there's, there's a lot of uncertainty there. The line here is Indiana minus six. The Crossroad Classic continues despite... Um, Scheduling irregularities elsewhere. Notre Dame versus Purdue is the other one there. These are both at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. IU versus BU is the first tip. Hoosiers minus six. Who you got? I'll take Indiana minus the six. And Butler just got run off the court at Villanova. Villanova's going to do that to a lot of people, but uh, I don't have much confidence in a team that just lost by 19 that has only played twice you know, so far this season. I'll just lay the points with Indiana. We agree here. Um... Butler is, I, I, there are obviously a couple other teams that are in their spot, GP, but I don't know who they are. I'm not going to look at 340 schedules here. Just not a lot of teams that would have started on the 25th, the first day of the season, and then go three weeks only get, with only getting in one game. We've had teams get a couple games in, go on pause, return. We've had teams get a lot of games in, hit a pause, have teams had a pause at the start of the season, get in. But not a lot of teams actually got one game in and then had to go on ice for as long as Butler did. So, um, yeah, uh, I happen to believe you'll go. Those who listen to the Big East Preview Pod will remember I was relatively high on Butler. Depending on how uh, how available uh, Thompson can be going forward, that would change the outlook on this team. But I agree with you. I will take Indiana there, um, and this should be a you know again knock on wood. This should be a pretty a pretty strong weekend. We actually have good back to back Saturdays in college basketball that are wrapping up the non-conference schedule. We'll obviously get to next weekend, next weekend. But if you're uh, the kind of sports fan that listens to this because you like college hoops, but you're also keyed in on the NFL and college football wrapping up, it's uh, it's regular season with championship games this weekend. The college hoops has a really strong slate, so that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. And if we can avoid any significant postponements or cancellations, we should have no shortage of things to talk about on the Sunday Night Pod because uh, I would expect a couple of upsets and certainly headlines worth discussing there. Um when we get there. One last thing real quick though, um, just because this also happened in the past 24 hours. So Gonzaga Baylor, they wanted to play that game. I don't think they're going to get that in. We learned that Gonzaga is going to play Virginia on December 26th and they're going to play it. You know, (laughs) Parrish, where are they playing that game? CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. But where's the venue? Oh, Dickies Arena! That's right. They're playing at <laughs> they're playing at Dickies. Um, hey, if if you can't, every the, the new thing is like, hey, the only place where they will let us play, even if like our whole team tests positive, is Dickies Arena. So let's go to Texas and play at Dickies. Got Meet it done. Dickies. <laughs> Meet me at Dickies Arena. Hey, I can just see Mark Few texting Tony Bennett like, hey, meet me at Dickies Arena. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It's the new Meet Me at Foothill. Um, So that is a wonderful game, obviously. Uh, But since Baylor can't, couldn't make that happen for a couple of reasons, I was told, I don't think Gonzaga Baylor is going to happen. Now, both those coaches were uh, optimistic they could and would try as best they could. But now um, I had one source tell me that the Big 12 doesn't want its schools playing any non-conference games with the exception of the SEC Big 12 Challenge at the end of January after league play starts and gets going on January 2. So I don't think we're going to get Gonzaga-Baylor this season, barring, again, 11th hour drastic scheduling thing where they both can free up and get it done, but I don't think that's going to happen there. So replacement, Gonzaga versus Virginia, that obviously is intriguing anyway, um, two championship contenders. And uh, and so, yeah, that broke 
late Thursday, so I just wanted to squeeze that in. If you uh, if you did happen to miss it, we have yet another Gonzaga high-profile game. It just won't be against Baylor, and it will be in eight days' time. And by late Thursday, you obviously meant early Thursday. I mean, I was shoveling snow all day. So I, my, my entire concept of time on Thursday is just out the window. If that got announced at like 11 a.m., I can't even remember. So I swear, I, the, the summers down here in the south make me miserable because it's so hot. But I have never shoveled snow. Never in my life. Never done it. You've never changed a tire. You've never shoveled snow. I would try. See, I, I'm good with this, though. I don't need, I don't need 97 degrees with 113% humidity. That, I don't need that in my life. So I will I, trade the occasional snowstorm for this. Plus, snow is better. You get to ski. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're hopping in a pool? Eh, no, that's all right. Whatever. Yeah, no, I, I have to. For the record, I have changed a tire. It's been about 10 years. Okay. But I have changed one. I changed one. One time I was at a Mississippi State-Kentucky game in Starkville, South Carolina. And I had a, a car deal through radio where I was driving this... Um, I had a, 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 like a big SUV. Hold on. I'm going to let you finish your story. Mm-hmm. I had to play that back in my mind. I want listeners to hit the back button, the back 15-second button twice. I think you just said, I was at a Mississippi State-Kentucky football game in Starkville, South Carolina. I think I that's I what you said. Say okay, well, what I meant to say was a Mississippi State-Kentucky basketball game in Starkville, Mississippi. There we go. Okay. That's what I, I was. What I, I was. Well, listen, Chester, South Carolina. We're getting near the end of the pod. It's starting to push its way. Into those the are those are those are the words I was attempting to say. I'm not sure what I actually said. So it's like you know, it's a game. It's a night game, midweek. Uh, you know, somebody wins, somebody loses. I write a column. It's now one in the morning. I'm walking in my car. Big SUV. I, I've had it four days. Flat tire. I don't know why. I don't have AAA. I don't know what to do. I'm in Starkville, Mississippi. I'm tired. So I go, I guess I just got to give this a shot. I can't even find the tire. I don't even know where the spare tire is. I can't find it. I'm so frustrated. Where the hell do you think it is, Parrish? I think it ended up actually being underneath the car or, or I don't know. It was not visible. It was not, it was not easy to find. So this guy, it's a ridiculous story. This, this drunk guy, like been drinking all day, all night. He, he stumbles upon me. He's like, hey, man, what's up? And I was like, hey, what's up? And uh, he goes, um, oh, oh, no, you got a flat tire? And I said, yeah, I don't know what happened. I just got out here and it's flat. He's like, oh, brother, I'll help you real quick. I was like, yo, man, that's really nice. You, he's, I was like, I, I don't want to sound stupid, but I don't even know where the tire, spare tire is. I can't find it. He's like, oh, he knew exactly where it was within seconds. And it, this dude, like, helps me find the tire and then, I should reset this whole story. I was this is supposed to be a story about me changing a tire. I really didn't do it. This guy exactly. Did it. <laughs> okay, okay. But this guy um, changes the tire for me, right? I, I, but I witnessed it, you know. And I think I, I probably held something at one point. And so we get done. It, t- it would have taken me two hours if I got it done at all. It took him twenty minutes. He's great. And then he goes like this. All right, Wes, well, uh, are you coming to that party with me? And I said, what? And he goes, are you coming to the party? I'm like, what party? He's like, the party at Billy's house. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't. He goes, hold up. You're not Wes. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not. He thought I was one of his buddies. <laughs> he was so drunk. He missed, he identified me as one of his buddies. He wasn't trying to help a stranger as much as he was trying to help me so we could get to the party together. And then you had to decide, do I really, do I want to drive this car right now or after this dude just put this tire on? 
or do I want to go to Billy's party? <laughs> I was thinking about it, like maybe I should just go to Billy's party, but I did, and I drove home. And I was you so got tired. home. He made so he did it correctly. He did it correctly, but I was I was I was exhausted. But I never had to shovel snow. That's a good thing. It, like I live in a part of the country where it is more comfortable. I played golf last Sunday in December, and was a million times more comfortable than playing golf in July. Like I'd rather play golf in December here, yeah, like today here than in July. It is so awful in the summers, but in the winters, I don't have to shovel snow. Yeah, I'm Apparently, gonna take. I know I'm gonna take this plunge with the. Every year, it's like I'll get a snowblower. Every year, and it's like, stiff. how do you not have one? Like, how much do they cost? How much do one of those things cost? That's a good question. I I don't know, but they're enough where it's like, you know, I gotta go. I gotta get it, and then you gotta maintain it. You know, it's just. Should we play for a billiken and a snowblower? You want to play for a snowblower? Yeah. I mean. What else can I do? What can I do with a snowblower in the south? Does it do anything besides blow snow? N- no, I don't think can so. You ru- can you rub its feet for good luck? Uh, No, you could rub the blades. Just don't make sure that make sure that it's not on when you do that. Uh, that snowblower is a little too, uh, it's a little steep there. But I do like the, I do like the sentiment. I like the idea. We'll think about it. The Billiken itself has me reeling. The idea that I'm going to have to, because I'm going to win this, obviously. So the, where am I going to put this thing in my house? And how is it not going to creep out my wife? That's what I'm already, that's what I'm already thinking about. But hey, maybe I'll, maybe I won't win. Maybe, maybe you'll be blessed. <laughs> maybe you'll be blessed with the Billiken. Very happy about the Billiken talk on the podcast, by the way. Extremely, can- extremely content with that. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Iron College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the most idiotic pandemic my entire lifetime. I lived through a lot. 43 years on this planet. Never, never seen any sort of pandemic like this. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell somebody about it. If you've not subscribed already, shame on you. I've been asking you to do this for years now. Like, honestly. Shane, you listen to a talk about Billikens for 10 minutes. You can't subscribe to the stupid podcast. Go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. Either way, we'll talk to you again on Sunday night. Until then. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.